Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. from home probably probably best for all concerned I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to this edition of the show and now ladies and gentlemen news of the Olympic movement
Produced by Jim Ebersol III. Well, guess who's getting in on the whole, we want to hold the Olympics thing? India. India will step up its bid to win the 2032 Olympics and other international events, maybe a boat show, when the global pandemic eases. This is according to the Indian Olympic Association President Narinda Batra. Ten years after hosting the Commonwealth Games, you remember those, he said his country had lessons to learn would not be deterred. Quote, we are serious and definitely pitching for the 2026 Youth Olympic Games and the 2032 Olympics, he told Agence France France. India has already written expressions of interest to the IOC, facing competition from Thailand, Russia, and Colombia for the Youth Olympics. Queensland in Australia, Shanghai, and a potential joint bid between North and South Korea for the 2032 Olympics. The pandemic has halted all debate. Work is now frozen on the documentation that uh, India had begun. This is not the time to talk with business houses or government about pitching for the Olympics, he says. Delhi's hosting of the Commonwealth Games was marked by construction delays, according to the Times of India, as well as failing infrastructure and accusations of financial mismanagement, just to top it off. More recently, Delhi was stripped of the 2021 World Boxing Championships. The global body accused organizers of failing to pay a hosting fee on time. Batra said he knew nothing of the boxing dispute, but insisted that the 2010 Commonwealth game thing had made India think big, and its growing economic clout means it has resources. Quote, I can say the biggest takeaway was that India is capable of hosting all big-ticket events, whether it is Olympics or any other games, he said. He added New Delhi did not cop- capitalize enough on the 2010 games by encouraging more young, young athletes. Quote, the Delhi event fell short on legacy values. The fact that such a big event happened here was not properly exploited, he said. So it's exploitation, not legacy? I can, I'm confused. The postponement to 2021 of the Tokyo Olympics will cost the IOC several hundred million dollars, its president, Thomas Bach. We have to look into and review all the services we provide for these postponed games, he said. Some cuts may be in the offing or off the inning. The IOC will continue to be responsible for its share. The IOC has approximately a billion dollars in reserves. How'd that happen? If the coronavirus pandemic is not brought under control within a year, the games cannot be postponed again and will be canceled, the head of the Tokyo Organizing Committee said this week. And the head of the IOC's Coordination Commission said this week he disagrees with suggestions by some scientists and doctors that a vaccine for COVID-19 is needed to hold the games. John Coates, IOC member from Australia, who's a lawyer, well, that's, said he had seen the opinion but didn't agree. A vaccine, he says, would be nice, but we will just continue to be guided by WHO and the Japanese health authorities because the Olympics it's a movement it doesn't need a vac- oh and we all need one every day
and stab. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I, uh, what the frack? One might ask, right at this point in the program, as a matter of fact. The latest on the whole fracking thang, a U.S. judge this week halted nearly 300 oil and gas leases on a large section of federal land in Montana. Oh, well, it's just Montana. That had been approved by an agency of the Interior Department, that that uh, section of leases. The judge additionally ordered the agency to conduct a thorough environmental analysis of the impact of fracking on drinking water. Good, good, good idea. I mean, I don't drink the drinking water. It's not for drinking, but District Judge Brian Morris said in his ruling, the Bureau of Land Management, the BOOM, did not factor in the environmental risks to Montana's water supply before it made a blanket approval for oil and gas leasing on about 150,000 acres of federal land. That's a big blanket. BLM failed to take a hard look at groundwater impacts due to shallow fracturing and due to surface casing depth not extending past drinking water. He said in his opinion. Apparently he read the briefs. The uh, environmental group Wild Earth Guardians had sued the BLM after it issued 287 leases, um, some of them in December 2017, some of them in March 2018. The group argued the BLM violated the National Environmental Protection Act by failing to properly analyze the risks posed by drilling to drinking water and the climate and to examine, examine alternatives, like, don't do that. It's all according to Reuters. The judge vacated the leases, leases issued from the two sales, vacated the BLM's finding of, quote, no significant impact during its environmental assessment of the drilling areas, and the judge asked the agency to conduct further study of the environmental impacts of widespread drilling. And by further study, he meant some. More than a dozen small companies purchased leases during the two lease sales. Moore said the problem with the BLM's review of the project was not its flawed analysis, but, quote, the absence of analysis, unquote. Well, it can't be flawed if it didn't happen. See? That's, that's a refuge. And now, let's go back home. Very, very smart house. It's the highest IQ of any house I know. Hey, remember that uh, automated cloud-assisted pet feeder mentioned on this program last week? A couple weeks ago? PetNet. Well, the service not only went offline in February, but all its customer service vanished, too, leaving users in the dark until the company apologized and uh, pushed a patch later. The service briefly returned for some users, fell off again in March. This according to Ars Technica. Now, after weeks of silence, the company is blaming COVID-19 for driving it offline for good, even though its problems started weeks or months before the virus became a thing. Several PetNet customers began reaching out to Ars Technica during the second and third weeks of April to report that once again, not only were their Internet-connected pet feeders not working, but also, they couldn't reach anyone at PetNet about it. Everyone's feeders didn't go offline at the same time, but seemed to fail in kind of a slow sequence over the period between March 26th and April 13th. On March 26th, the company emailed its customers, 
blaming, blaming COVID-19 for outages and delays. Purpose of this outreach is to let you know how the COVID-19 crisis is impacting, impacting pet net operations and your smart feeder usage. Smart feeder, one word, by the way. We work with a wide range of vendors from other startup companies to well-known establishments to help provide convenience through a series of connected services. Would would any of them be um, sharing in the data? Oh, why would you even? One of our third-party vendors has notified us that due to COVID-19, their operations are experiencing an adverse effect. We will monitor this situation closely and provide you with any updates as they arise. You know those dupta- updates, they just up and date. They arise. Our service counter is experiencing higher than normal ticket volumes, so our response time may take longer than usual. Thank you for your patience and for your understanding during this challenging time. Best regards, the PetNet team. Every reader who wrote to Ars Technica said they were unable to receive support through either of the two email addresses PetNet usually handled. The company tweeted April 13th that it was experiencing a service disruption, affecting both its first and second generation smart feeders. Two generations of smart pet feeders by now. On April 14th, PetNet posted another tweet saying, We're still experiencing smart feeder connection downtime due to an ongoing service disruption that is currently being investigated. Unquote. And that was the company's last tweet. Users looking for support received messages directing them to a third-party site called Tier 1 Success, a simplified customer support to help meet your smart home needs. Is there a self-description? It appears, according to Ars Technica, to have almost no online presence outside of the link sent to PetNet owners. Its only external communication is a Twitter account with 16 followers. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'll join bump it up a little bit. Big percentage leap. The last time any message was posted to that account, July last year, Tier 1 indicated it exclusively supported PetNet products, had not yet extended or expanded to customer support for any other smart home device. It's got to be reassuring. Uh, Tier 1, at one point, did post an open job listing somewhere else describing the firm as an in-house customer success team for PetNet. All complaints, whether addressed to PetNet directly or made through the Tier 1 support form, seem to disappear into the ether by April 16th. All the new customer reviews on PetNet's product listing on Amazon were surmising the company had gone out of business. Messages sent to email addresses posted by the company bounced back, as they did during the February outage. The uh, publication Ars Technica tracked down a working email address for a PetNet employee, sent a message asking if the company was still operational. That went to a personal email address, but the reply read, Thank you for reaching out to us about the issue. We're terribly sorry for the inconvenience our customers are experiencing right now. And a few hours later, PetNet users began receiving an email explaining the company was, more or less, going out of business. Due to the exceptional circumstances of the pandemic, PetNet went on. Many of its vendors, largely startups like itself, were, quote, severely and negatively affected in their day-to-day operations, unquote. In other words, the funding dried up. Due to lack of funds, PetNet said it is 
reprioritizing and reorganizing its resources, <laughs> including, A, we have furloughed 100% of our remaining staff. That'll do her. B, we've ceased all future product, product development, including bug fixes. Three, we have turned off all non-infrastructure-related expenses. Four, we have terminated our office lease. And five, we have applied for stimulus funding. The only thing to add is, according to Ars Technica, the company's office space has been available for lease since October of last year. And damn COVID, it worked backwards in time. It's so hard to really be a smart house, isn't it? It's even harder to be a smart world, apparently. In a blunder described as astonishing and worrying, (laughs) in that order. Astonishment came first. Then, maybe it's worth a worry, the City Council of Sheffield in Britain, their automatic number plate recognition system, you know, for your license plate on your car. Remember the car? That system exposed to the Internet 8.6 million records of road journeys made by thousands of people. This was uh, reported by the British tech journal The Register. The system's internal management dashboard could be accessed by simply entering its address into a web browser. No login details or authentication of any sort was needed to view and search the live system, which logs where and when vehicles, identified by their plates, travel through the road network of the town. Britain's surveillance camera commissioner, they tell you in high school counseling that that job would be available for you? Uh, Anyway, the one that's doing it now, Tony Porter, described the security lapse as both astonishing and worrying, demanded a full probe into the snafu. That would be uh, the work of the snafu probe commissioner, I guess. The uh, city council's executive director of resources and the assistant constable of the police there say, we take joint responsibility for working to address this data breach. It is not an acceptable thing to have occurred. However, it is important to be very clear that to the best of our knowledge, nobody came to any harm or suffered any detrimental effects as the result of this breach. Came known to the... uh, Register from an info security expert. She said, the uh, expert, was the public ever told the system would be in place and that the risks were reasonable? Was there ever an opportunity for public discourse? Or, as in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, were the plans in a planning office in an impossible or undisclosed location? She asks, citing the San Diego desk's favorite book. The unsecured management dashboard could have been used by anyone who found it to reconstruct a particular vehicle's journey or series of journeys from its number plate right down to the minute. A malicious person, I know a few of those, could have renamed the cameras or altered key metadata shown to the operators. Privacy International's Eden Omanovic said, time and again we've seen the introduction of surveillance tech for very specific purposes, only to creep into other areas of enforcement. That may be the real legacy of this pandemic. The um, The purpose of the number plate recognition system was to uh, enable the city to uh, be able to charge a daily fee for driving into the city center, a proposed clean air zone. 
But nowhere in the 32-page council document, nor its 132-page appendix, they like the number 32 apparently, is the word privacy mentioned, let alone privacy impact assessment. The only impact assessment mentioned as being carried out was an equality one to ensure that different communities in the town wouldn't object to the clean air zone. The council document set out examples of signs they promised would be erected to warn drivers they were under automated surveillance. But uh, neither the register nor the security consultant noticed signs explicitly mentioning the number plate recognition system. Raw images sometimes capture the faces of drivers and passengers as well as pedestrians passing by, people entering and leaving homes and businesses. This was, remember those days? As well as anyone they happened to meet in sight of a camera. All of this could have been extracted by a hacker who guessed or brute-forced the password to the image storage server after finding the unsecured dashboard. You can't have a smart world without breaking some smart eggs. The show continues after this important message. We know what you're going through. We're going through it too. They're saying it may be over soon. But right now, it's a new normal. And there's nothing normal about it. Some of us are losing loved ones. All of us are missing the lives we loved. We are America's advertising community. And we are hurting too. Like you, we're adjusting. We've bought hundreds of pianos just for these messages. And when this is over, and it will be over, you can rely on us to be back at full strength. Yelling, not whispering, and selling back those pianos. We're with you now, and we'll be after you soon. A message from America's advertising community, where truth is just the beginning. Of the godly. This from New Orleans, the Archdiocese announced this week it is filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Archbishop Gregory Amon said uh, the filing only affects the administrative offices of the Archdiocese. He says the action will not affect individual church parishes or the parishes, parishes, or their schools. Quote, the movement was necessitated by the growing financial strain caused by litigation stemming from decades-old incidents of clergy abuse, as well as ongoing budget challenges, he said. The unforeseen circumstances surrounding COVID-19 have added more financial hardships to an already difficult situation, unquote. The archbishop says the purpose of filing for bankruptcy is no no not that not getting out from, out from out from under is to allow time to develop a reorganization plan over how the church's available assets and insurance coverage will be used to settle outstanding 
clergy sex abuse lawsuit settlements. I don't think he's saying they're excellent. I think he's he says the reorganization will allow settlement money to go directly to clergy sex abuse victims. No parish funds will be used to settle claims. It is a pastor's responsibility to decide how parish funds should be used to support parish ministry. This process preserves that principle. I strongly believe, concluded the Archbishop, this path will allow victims and survivors of clergy abuse to resolve their claims in a fair and timely manner. Unquote. Because they're decades old and, you know, money's worthless now. Worthless now. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
From the home of the homeless, this is Le Show. And now in the homo is not sapien file, on uh, behalf of the Let Us Try people, the United States Army Corps of Engineers, this from the Des Moines Register. It does register in Des Moines. Twelve years ago, a surge of water broke through the Birdland levee, forcing voluntary... This is in Des Moines. This is not a jazz levee. uh, Forcing voluntary and mandatory evacuations for more than 250 homes in low-lying areas of Des Moines. The historic flood, 2008, brought with it millions of dollars in damages and resulted in hundreds of residents leaving behind the neighborhood. More than four years and eight million dollars later, the levees were the levee, sorry, was rebuilt to protect against a 100-year flood that gave residents, according to the register and city officials, the confidence to reinvest in the neighborhood that's now bustling with life. You know, Des Moines. Now, city and federal officials are forced to spend millions more to repair two-thirds of the seven-mile levee due to what the Army Corps of Engineers our old friends, call a series of assumption errors it made when reconstructing the levee after the flood. There's no immediate threat to businesses. High school students and residents who live behind the levee, according to the Corps, but it is prepared to spend upwards of $12 million fixing the issues, so the system is up to its standards. Standards of the Corps that built the thing with incorrect assumption errors. This is according to Jason Smith, senior project manager for the Corps, and the city would only have to pay 35% of the cost. You see. We do recognize it as a long-term concern. We do want to address it. Smith, the Corps spokesperson, said, the issue is under seepage. During a flood, water seeps under the levee through its subsurface soil, breaking the clay barrier that sits between the levee and the ground soil. That could ultimately erode the levee, reducing the level of protection it's designed to offer. This has never happened before except, oh, in New Orleans, where incorrect assumptions and ignoring warnings, both internal and external, the Corps suffered catastrophic under-seepage at the uh, flood walls abutting three canals in the center of the city that led to most of the flood destruction and a lot of the death. But they've had, that was 2005, they had three years to um, learn that lesson, didn't they? It isn't a huge threat to the system. However, the Corps' design criteria is against the formation of these boils said the chief of the geotechnical branch of the Army Corps of Engineers Rock Island District. In 2017, a contractor hired by the city of Des Moines to build a drainage basin near the levee discovered the potential under-seepage issue, which was later confirmed by the Corps through a series of analyses, the first it had done on the levee since 2002. So they didn't do any analysis before they built the new part of the thing, because, you know, if it it had relied on that decade-old analysis when it rebuilt the levee in 2012, in part due to the urgency of the repairs and a need to meet funding deadlines. We believed in 2002 that the under-seepage criteria had been met, said the chief of the geotechnical branch of the Rock Island District. (laughs) 
He said that only a small section of samples were analyzed. Unfortunately, he said the error was made in the selection of the representative samples, unquote, which I guess means they weren't representative or they weren't samples. Now the Corps is undergoing undergoing its undertaking, a one-year $638,000 design and reporting process. The design and report must be submitted to Congress for approval and appropriation of the money. And that always happens because they're the let-us-try people, the United States Army Corps of Engineers. The people you call when you want under seepage, apparently. No, that's not their slogan. Yet. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the land of 15,000 princes, our freedom-hoving friends in Saudi Arabia. Well, you know, the Saudi Arabian government is trying to um, diversify, get away from relying on oil for all of its wealth and income. They have what's called a sovereign wealth fund. A lot of countries have them, which means the government invests in uh, stuff to try to make some money. The Saudi sovereign wealth fund has acquired a 5.7% stake in the parent company of Ticketmaster, a company called Live Nation. They uh, own... A lot of the uh, festivals and venues around the United States. And they uh, own Ticketmaster as well. The Saudi Public Investment Fund disclosed the stake, 12 million plus shares, valued at just shy of 500 million based on Live Nation's current price. Live Nation's price jumped at the news, rising by more than 2% at the news that the Saudis were buying in. The investment was purchased on the open market. The Saudi fund is now the company's third largest shareholder. Live Nation, ladies and gentlemen, has been hit particularly hard by the endemic. All concerts and sporting events around the world on hold. The company's been sued as it's been reluctant to offer full refunds to customers, though it has since amended its refund rules to address those complaints, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Company share price is down by more than 40% from January 1st, thanks largely to the pandemic. So the Saudi bump was just a little, just a little pimple on the, uh, on the surface. The company has been taking action to bolster its financial status during the crisis, opening a new revolving credit account, more than $100 million, significantly decreasing costs, including by reducing salaries. No, you can't do that. They're too, those the investment um, in Live Nation is the second by Saudi fund this month. They also bought a big stake in Carnival Cruises. Man, can they pick winners or what? In Hollywood, many firms have been reluctant to uh, take Saudi money since the murder of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Endeavor, a major talent agency and production company, returned a $400 million investment it received from the fund last year. And that's run by one of the Emanuel brothers. Many notable names from the world of media and entertainment also uh, canceled an appearance at a major conference to be hosted in Riyadh called the Future Investment Initiative. But apparently, and that that, uh, concludes the reporters reporting on this, but apparently 
when Live Nation starts its concert uh, events again, the um, the acts will be encouraged to open with this salute to the new investor. We're bringing back the noise. Rocking us and the hip-hop boys. Yo, yo, yo. Using all of our high-tech toys. Or maybe just a bone saw. Ticket price is such a deal. The street, they'd say it's a steal. Yo, yo, yo. You get a show and a kind of meal. Or maybe just a bone saw. Bone saw, you don't know where it is. Bone saw, it's meant to scare it. Chicks will still be here. Videoed in from a room in the rear. Room right next to the bone saw. Lady headliners coming to sexy in a way. Cause there might be a bone saw Bone saw It's just the Saudi Bone saw Way of saying howdy Never needs to take a bow But put your hands together for the bone saw Now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. NVIDIA, that's a um, company that makes, like, chips and stuff, the innards of your computer, apologized for publishing a tweet on Tuesday that depicts a graphics card, one of the things they make, with scantily clad legs. The tweet, imitating the did-it-work meme, was uh, sent from NVIDIA's GeForce Twitter account, which has over a million followers. The tweet was errantly posted and quickly removed, according to a NVIDIA NVIDIA spokesman. We apologize unreservedly. This was errantly posted and removed quickly as soon as we became aware of it. This uh, meme started after a performance by Lisa from a K-pop group called Blackpink. 
Sorry about that. It's all errant. The governor of Kentucky has apologized to a man named Tupac Shakur after he filed for unemployment and was wrongly labeled a prankster. It appears the applicant wasn't the popular U.S. rapper whose 1996 death sparked years of conspiracy theories, but a man who changed his name. On Monday, Governor Andy Bashir said dubious claims were slowing the benefits process. Can't be doing that, he told media. Singling out Tupac Shakur, that person may have thought they were being funny, and they probably did, except for the fact that because of them, we had to go through so many other claims. That came as a shock to Tupac Malik Shakur, 46, lives in Lexington, Kentucky, worked as a cook before the pandemic closed down restaurants. He goes by Malik, filed for unemployment on March 13th, and has since waited in vain for his check. Struggling for the last month trying to figure out how to pay the bills, he says. I'm hurt, I'm really embarrassed, and I'm shocked. He legally changed his name about 1998, two years after the rapper died. Shot dead. When the governor learned of the error, he telephoned Shakur to apologize. Cook said he understood the gesture. He's dealing with a lot. Mistakes happen. I told him how it happened, but I owned it, said the governor. It's my fault. He was gracious. I said, I'm sorry if I embarrassed him or caused him any attention he didn't want. And he was very kind. He ended the call. God bless. I'd have ended it. Well, bless your heart. During an elementary school orientation this week, hosted on Zoom, a hacker hijacked the call and displayed an obscene video for the more than 150 participants in the meeting. This was in uh, Massachusetts. School officials hosted a Zoom video conference as part of a fifth-grade orientation, including parents, children, teachers, principals, and other school officials. Shortly after 8, just before the meeting ended, a hacker took over the display and played an obscene video for 15 to 20 seconds. A local TV station in the Medway School District area reported the video included child pornography. School officials ended the meeting as quickly as possible and notified the Medway Police Department, which is investigating the incident. School officials say they believe protocols weren't followed prior to the start of the meeting, which allowed for the hacker to take over the video conference. We want to sincerely apologize to each and every person who was on the video meeting and say that this was indeed user error on our part, said the superintendent. We will not be hosting any further video meetings this week as we review our policies and procedures. Unquote. Zoom bombing, according to MassLive.com, the act of a third party hijacking a video call has become prevalent as school cities and other organizations use the service to host meetings. Not a mention of the fact that it's notorious for its lack of security. It's not your protocols and procedures, Mr. Superintendent. It's Zoom. Ask security, Internet security consultant Bruce Schneier, who's appeared on this program, for example. And another Zoom thing. Financial Times reporter Mark DiStefano, or DiStefano resigned. The newspaper apologized after he was accused earlier this week of listening in on another news outlet's internal Zoom meeting. He wrote on a tweet on May Day, letting everyone know today was my last day at the FT. This afternoon I offered my resignation. Thank you, who is given support. Financial Times received a complaint last week from The Independent. It said in a statement that a reporter had joined a staff conference call without authorization Access details had been shared with him. The journalist in question has now resigned from the company. The FT wishes to apologize to the Independent and the Evening Standard, which informed the FT the same reporter had accessed the meeting it held 
We won't provide any further comment and consider the matter closed, concluded the Financial Times. They didn't mention the security problems with Zoom either, the ones that their experience exemplified. Huh. Italy's prime minister apologized for delays in aid payments to jobless workers, underscoring the pitfalls for political leaders who are warily opening Europe for business, according to Bloomberg. European policymakers are increasingly focusing on the risk of a second wave of a pandemic. The uh, prime minister, Conte, whose country's credit rating was cut this week to a step above junk. Hey, it's above junk is more challenged than most. On Friday, he apologized on Facebook for holdups in aid to workers and small businesses while facing criticism from industry and political rivals after two months of lockdown. Well, it sounds just like we're moving through the reopening of economic activities through a chaotic succession succession of uncertain and contradictory measures, said the head of the manufacturer's lobby. He's out in the manufacturer's lobby now, as a matter of fact. Dateline Harrisburg, questions still surround the slow response for people filing for unemployment compensation in Pennsylvania. As of April 30th, uh, 1.7 million Pennsylvanians have filed for unemployment insurance. The governor says he's reassigning 500 people from other departments to answer calls and emails. The goal is to get to the point that we are serving everybody in a reasonable amount of time here, he said, the governor. We are not there yet. I acknowledge that, and I apologize that for that. We are doing that in the overwhelming majority of cases, he says. Republican lawmakers say nearly 500,000 claims have been mismanaged. That's a clue that the governor must be a Democrat. There's another state that's dealing with unemployment compensation delays. Imagine that. Oregon. Oregon Governor Kate Brown apologized this week to people who have encountered problems trying to apply for unemployment. Record number of people have applied. Many have been stymied by breakdowns in the system. A total of 334,000 people lost their jobs in Oregon last week's, as the Oregonian reported. If you're waiting on an unemployment claim, I hear your frustration, said Governor Brown, also a Democrat. I'm sorry for the delays. Reports of errors in the system weren't as widespread last Sunday as they have been over the past three weeks. So it appears to have gotten better on Sunday. A columnist for the Miami Herald reported, or actually opined, that the uh, filling of the beaches in Florida was going to do nicely to thin the ranks of Trump and DeSantis, Florida governor, supporters in Florida who value money over health. He has, that was a tweet that he opined in. Oh, see, she, Fabiola. Sorry, um, she opined in. She since deleted the tweet and apologized. She wrote, I deleted the tweet commenting on people at the beach because it didn't accurately convey my sentiment. And I want to apologize for the phrase I used, phrase I used that offended many people. Regardless of political differences, I would never wish any harm on anyone. In fact, my intent was to sound an alarm about prematurely opening up the country and the state. I was trying to open eyes, minds, and save lives, not create a controversy about me instead of the issue, which merits discussion. Unquote. The Miami Herald also apologized for her tweet, saying it crossed the line of acceptable commentary. Does not reflect the views of the Miami Herald. Please subscribe. No, they didn't say that. Mayor of Abilene, Texas... The other Abilene apologized for a comment he made 
This week, during a Facebook Live session, Mayor Anthony Williams said he misspoke when he... Well, I just did there. I misspoke when he said Abilene police officers infected with COVID-19 may still be on the job because of shortages. If they're working, they will be working with a mask, he said. A short time later, after a TV station inquired about that comment, he apologized for the original one, and said he misspoke. It was my understanding, so I have to provide clarity in that regard. If a police officer is infected and if it's positive, he or she are sent home. And bless their hearts, too. A Delaware labor leader who made anti-Asian coronavirus social media posts has apologized for his hurtful and offensive posts. Quote, in the past, I occasionally used coarse and sometimes unacceptable language to make a point, said James Maravellas. He's president of the Delaware AFL-CIO. I now realize that on a handful of instances, my social media posts were hurtful and offensive. However, I am sorry if they offended anyone or any group of people. If apology, ladies and gentlemen. Politico reported on the post by Mara Veyes, who has uh, at least eight, uh, 16 unions as members of the AFL-CIO. He's also president of the Building Trades and an official at Laborers Local 199. He deleted a meme he posted in a march that showed Adam and Eve as two Chinese people eating a snake. Another now-deleted post featured a video of people eating wild animals, and he wrote, Hey, Snowflake, see, no nationality to insult your feelings, but eating this crap is why the virus has killed a couple of hundred thousand people so far. Unquote. And he didn't say crap. I helped him there. An official apologized after authorizing a local beach on Spain's southern coast to be sprayed with bleach solution to disinfect the sand of the coronavirus. See how ideas can spread just like viruses? Tractors sprayed Zahara de los Atunes, located near the city of Cadiz, in the Andalusian region of Spain, with a diluted bleach solution in an attempt to sanitize the area before children in quarantine came to play when the lockdown is lifted. The move was met with public outcry from environmentalists who said it caused brutal damage to the ecosystem, according to the BBC. Why didn't they just spray the insides of the kids? Royal Caribbean sent an email to guests who were still waiting for a refund from a canceled cruise in order to apologize for the longer-than-expected time it has taken to process these requests. So it's not just governments. Yeah, governments take a long time to process unemployment claims, and cruise lines, privately owned, take a long time to process refund requests. Huh. Thousands of guests received emails expressing the cruise line's apology for how long it has taken, along with an explanation of why things were taking longer than expected. Refunds were expected to take 30 days to process. Some are taking up to 45. They're supposed to uh, issue another update this week. Please know that each and every request is receiving the same level of care and dedication. Their message sent. Very sorry about that. Well, Caribbean... Cancelled dozens and dozens of sailings since mid-March. Guests have had the choice of a 100% refund or 125% future cruise credit. Maybe they were just trying to nudge you toward the credit, which doesn't cost them anything right now. Dateline Portage, Michigan, the superintendent of Portage Public Schools, here's a familiar apology, has apologized for a social studies assignment about slavery that sparked outrage in the community. 
I guess the first thing I would say is how deeply sorry I am, and as a district we are, that this got put out there in a way that I'm not sure was intentional, said Superintendent Mark Belang. The assignment was said to all of Portage's 8th grade students are remotely learning. It asked the children to consider the people enslaved as economic commodities and how the loss of that commodity would impact slave owners. The assignment also used outmoded and objectionable terminology describing black men as Negroes, women as Negresses, and those of mixed race as mulatto. This was an inappropriate assignment, and it sent the wrong message to our students, B. Lang said. District uh, removed the assignment from the curriculum. I wonder if they mentioned that the slave owners got reparations for the loss of their property. Deadline Hoover, Alabama, local townhome owners association is apologizing after forcing a mother in the neighborhood to wash off a sidewalk chalk drawing her daughter created that said, love your neighbor. That's all. That's it. Can't follow that. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And I I will follow it with something else from the uh, Inspector General file. A new report from the Illinois Auditor General found problems at the Springfield attraction that tells the story of Lincoln and maintains historic items. Auditor General Frank Martino's report spans a two-year period. Most glaring of the findings that the former director improperly loaned the state's copy of the Gettysburg Address to Glenn Beck and his company, Mercury One. The document was sent to Texas for what was described as a temporary pop-up museum by Beck. More seriously, President Trump moved on Friday night, President Trump, to Friday night to remove a top official of the Department of Health and Human Services. Inspector General Christy Grimm, the principal deputy inspector general was assailed by the president at a news briefing because he was angered at her report last month that highlighted supply shortages and testing delays at hospitals during the pandemic. The nomination, according to the New York Times' latest effort by Trump against watchdog offices around his administration that have defied him. And one of those briefings he's not having any longer he uh, challenged her assessment. Did I hear the word Inspector General? Really, it's wrong. And they'll talk to you about it. It's wrong. Where did uh, where did he come from, the Inspector General? What's his name? No, what's his name? What's his name? He asked a reporter who had asked about the report. Find me his name. Let me know, he said. He learned that Christy Grimm had worked during the Obama administration. He asserted it was, politi- it was a politically biased report. She started working in Inspector General office late in Clinton's administration, and served under President Bush as well. He attacked her for uh, not doing a report on the swine flu debacle, his words, where 17,000 people died. Unfortunately, only 12,000 died. But he concluded his comments on her report, another fake dossier. By the way, the... Dismissal was announced late Friday night. I guess the administration wanted it to be an exclusive for this program. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this edition of the show. Back next week at the same time on the radio, at any time you want it, on your audio device of choice. 
a tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, as well as to Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. Needed help, didn't it? The playlist of the music you hear here, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the email address for this program if you want to get something off your chest or put something on it. All at harryshear.com, and I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shear. Really no business of mine if you want to put something on your chest. But the show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>